Psalm 26 has 12 verses, a psalm of David. The psalm is a prayer to God based on integrity. Unlike in the previous psalm, here David kept his way free from sinners, and there is no petition of pardon for previous sins. Based on this, he prays to the Lord with confidence. Verses 1-3 through three. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in my Lord without wavering. Examine me, O Lord, and try me, test my mind and my heart. For your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. The psalmist calls on God for vengeance against his enemies. David bases this petition on his faithfulness to God's ways. He had walked in God's ways without going off the path. And he even calls God to examine, try, and test his mind and heart. He was quite confident in his performance. He knew that God and his faithful love had been at the forefront of his mind and that he had walked in God's truth. Verse 4. I do not sit with deceitful men, nor will I go with pretenders. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. The psalmist did not dwell with evil men. He did not make them his friends or comforters. He did not seek after hypocrites or gatherings of evildoers. He was not identified with them, nor did he want anything to do with them. He did not pursue them for counsel. In fact, he hated those that came together to do evil against others and the Lord. Verses 6 and 7. I shall wash my hands in innocence, and I will go about you, about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and declare all your wonders. The psalmist was able to claim innocence before the Lord. This means he was innocent at that time because of his faith in God, not that he was without sin. He did not do this for his own glory, but to be able to be before the Lord. He wanted to be with the worshipers of God and before God himself. While there, he would tell of all the wonders God had done while giving thanks to God for the same. This is an interesting thought. He desired so much to be with God that he wanted to be innocent before him. He knew that to be before God required purity. While publicly speaking about the testimonies of God, others can benefit from knowing God's power and provision, and God is praised for the glory given to him. Have you thanked God for your blessings in front of others lately? Have you given God public glory and thanks for what he has done in your life? Verse 8. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. David loved being in the house of the Lord. God was his first love. Do you see God like this? Do you see coming to his house, the church, like this? Is there excitement for Sunday or for any other day where you go to church or are gathered with other believers? If not, can you honestly say you are in love with God? Are you perhaps more in love with God's gifts than with God? Verses 9 and 10. Do not take my soul away along with sinners nor my life with men of bloodshed, in whose hands is a wicked scheme, and whose right hand is full of bribes. The psalmist asks the Lord for his soul to have a different fate than those of the sinners. He did not want the same fate as those who rebelled against God. These are described as violent men, men of bloodshed, and full of perversion of justice. They accepted bribes. David knew the soul would last, And in that time after death, he did not want to be with the evil ones, but with God. 
verses 11 and 12. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on a level place. In the congregations, I shall bless the Lord. The psalmist, in contrast with the evil ones, walked in righteousness. Because of his promise to live this way, he asks for redemption from trouble and for grace. He knew he was free from opportunities to fall because he was in a level, stable place, the house of the Lord, with the people of the Lord, who were continually blessing the Lord. Are you constantly on a level plane? Are you always in God's presence, with God's people, or in God's word? I hope so. That is the best place to be, so as not to fall. Psalm 27, 14 verses, a psalm of David. At first, this psalm speaks of David's joy and confidence in God, even in the midst of his enemies. Within the psalm he wavers, but prays that God would not abandon him because of his source of hope was the Lord. Tradition places this psalm in the time before David was king, while he was being chased down by King Saul. Verses 1-3 through The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. If God is for me, who shall I fear? If he is the one who that directs my life, there's nothing and no one to fear. The God of the universe is on my side. The psalmist applies this concept to his life. He did not need to fear anyone that was an enemy, whom he compared to wild animals, because God was his salvation and fortress. No matter the circumstance, he was confident in God's perfect ways. Can you say that in your life? Verses 4 through 6. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle, in the secret place of his tent he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock, and now my head will be lifted up above the enemies, my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices of, with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. This one thing that the psalmist desires, verse 4, is a grand wish. To live with God's presence in his life. This should be all our desires. Why do you seek out God? Is it because you want to be with him or because you want his blessings? David desired to be with God. He wanted to be in his tabernacle. Today we would call it the church all day, every day. He wanted to admire God and his wondrous beauty. He wanted to be near God, to learn more of his ways. He was in love with God, and not just with God's blessings. Many times, we go through life, and we end up loving the blessings more than the blesser. He knew God would protect him when he needed it. He would be hidden by God, and none of his enemies would be able to find him. In this safety and security, he would be able to worship God, even when surrounded by enemies. Rejoicing chases out fear. Verses 7-10 through 10. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. 
Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. The psalmist changes tone here. He expresses anxiety in his call for God. He cries for God to hear his call and to answer him. In the very same psalm, he expresses confidence and fear. How simple we are, how wildly our emotions take us up and down. He calls on God to recognize that he had obeyed his commands. He had chased after God, and so he asks God not to hide from him. He knew God was his only source of help. If God abandoned him, no one could help him. In this situation, even his parents had abandoned him, yet he knew God would take him as his own. Adversity often brings the appearance of God's lack of interest. Yet when we look through his word, we see that he is still present and still sustaining. The sense of abandonment also, many times, brings about a de- deeper sense of dependency on God. Verses 11 and 12. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. He calls on God to teach him the truth. When we are in the ways of God, there is nothing to fear. His path is level, free of pitfalls or traps. He asks God not to let him fall into the hands of his enemies. These enemies were lying about him and ready to be violent towards him. Verses 13 and 14. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. The psalmist knew that if it were not for the Lord and his goodness, he would have fallen into despair and depression. Even in this hard time, he knew he could wait on God. So he encourages himself and us to be strong and courageous and wait on the Lord. Sometimes it takes courage and strength to simply wait on God in a situation that we do not like or desire to be in. But God is there. He knows our hearts. And most importantly, He knows what will give Him the most glory. Psalm 28, nine verses, a psalm of David. The psalmist was convinced that God knew his name. He knew God would not confuse him with evil people. So he prayed to God to save his people. Verses 1 and 2. To you, O Lord, I call. My rock, do not be deaf to me, for if you are silent to me, I will become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. The psalmist cries to God. He cries to be heard. God was his rock, his foundation. He is the rock that breaks the waves to protect us. He knew if God was silent, it would feel as if their relationship was gone, and as if he was dead. The pit is Sheol, the grave, or the realm of the dead. In verse 2, David uses a stronger word for cry, which means a cry for help. With this cry, he lifts his hands towards the tabernacle. This was an external gesture of an internal position. He desired help from God. A similar image would be that of a child reaching out to a parent. Verses 3 through 5. Do not drag me away with the wicked and with those who work iniquity, who speak peace with their neighbors. 
while evil is in their hearts. Requit them according to their work and according to the evil of their practices. Requit them according to the deeds of their hands. Repay them their recompense because they do not regard the works of the Lord nor the deeds of his hands. He will tear them down and not build them up. The psalmist pleads not to be lumped in with the wicked and sinners. These sinners are hypocrites who speak peace but mean evil in their hearts. Seeing these sinners, the psalmist asks that God punish or requit them according to their deeds. In other words, he's asking for God's perfect justice. This justice is required not because they broke human laws. Human laws are not nearly as important as God's laws. The psalmist demands justice because they ignore God and his wondrous works. They are atheists in their hearts, or practical atheists is another way to term it. For this, God would punish and break them down, as opposed to the righteous whom he builds up. There is this strong desire in every human to see justice done to those that do wrong for those that have been wronged. The issue that many forget is that we too are evil, and unless we are covered by Jesus' blood, we will also fall under this judgment, which is why David did not want to be lumped in with the other wicked people. Verses 6 and 7. Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exults, and with my song I shall thank him. The psalmist breaks out in thanksgiving to God, because he knew God would hear his petition. He had full confidence in the Lord as his offense, strength, and his defense, shield. With this knowledge, what could we do but sing his praises? Verses 8 and 9. The Lord is their strength, and he is a saving defense to his anointed. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd also and carry them forever. The focus now switches to Israel, the people of God. He calls the Lord their offense and their defense. He is like a fortress that defends its king, the anointed. He calls for God to save to save Israel and bless it. He asks God to be their shepherd, and he was a shepherd to David and to guide them endlessly. Is he your shepherd? Do you call on him for your help? Are you covered by the blood of the lamb, or are you one of his enemies? These are important questions to think through. Psalm 29. We have 11 verses here. It's a Psalm of David. Some say this psalm seems to be inspired by a thunderstorm that the psalmist observed. David saw the source of its power was God. In that grand display of power, the psalmist calls all to glorify him alone. Others believe this was a psalm to show the superiority of the true God over Baal, who was the Canaanite god of storms. In either case, this psalm can be taken to show that only God controls the weather, as opposed to believing that there were a multitude of gods involved. Verses 1 and 2. Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in his holy array. David begins this psalm calling the angels, or the sons of the mighty, or mighty ones, we can see this in Job 2.1 2, 2, and 1.6, to worship the Lord. He calls other creatures to praise God as well for his greatness, glory, and strength. To ascribe is to give credit to or to attribute something to. 
ascribing God glory and strength is to give credit or acknowledging that He is and has those things. Not only is our God powerful, but He is worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. Verses 3 and 4. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Now we see a description of this omnipotent God controlling a thunderstorm. We see the storm begins in the Mediterranean, over many waters, and comes toward the land of Israel. The thunder is given the poetic name of the voice of the Lord. This is portraying the voice of the Lord as something strong, powerful, and outside of man's control, forever louder than man could ever get. The psalmist is simply watching this storm in awe. The thunder is powerful, and it is a part of nature that demands amazement. Verses 5 through 7. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. The voice of the Lord, thunder and lightning, breaks cedars. This would be shocking to many. The cedars of Lebanon were strong and frequently used as an image of strength and protection. They were seen by many as enormous trees that could not be shaken. These large trees were nothing in the face of this storm. Just the voice of the Lord could break them to pieces and bring them out and bring out fire from their midst. This storm made the cedars, Mount Lebanon, and Mount Syrian shake. Syrian is thought to be the same as Mount Hermon. We see this in Deuteronomy 3.9. The cedars and the nearby mountains shake in the midst of this grand storm. The Lord also hews out fires, flames of fire. This is a poetic imagery of forked lightning shooting from the clouds. Verses 8 and 9. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve and strips the forests bare. And in his temple, everything says glory. The storm shook the mountain and the deserts of Kadesh. This Kadesh can be the city of Kadesh in the north, about 75 miles north of Damascus, or it could have been another city of Kadesh in the south. The storm reaches to the forests and causes the animals to run in fear. The storm strips the trees and plants bare. The demonstration of his power causes all in his temple to glorify his name, men and angels alike. Psalm 29, verses 10 through 11. The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. The storm reminds the psalmist of the flood in the time of Noah. God was in control in that storm, and in this smaller storm, he is also in control. God was still the king, and he would remain king forever. This God is full of power and glory, and so he would keep his promise of granting Israel peace. He alone had the power to do so. This power to generate a storm is available to his children. For his people, peace is coming, and only he has the power to get it and maintain it. Okay, we've made it to Psalm 30. Psalm 30 has 12 verses. 
and the title for this psalm says, A Psalm, a song at the dedication of the house, a psalm of David. So this psalm may be a dedication for the site of the temple in First Chronicles 21, verses 26 through 30, and 22, verse 1. It may also have been adapted by later Jewish people for the dedication of the second temple after the exile. We know David did not build the temple, but he did set up everything for his son, Solomon, to complete it. David mentions God's discipline on himself for sin. We know of two major sins that he committed, adultery with Bathsheba, as well as the numbering of the people. In both instances, we see God coming down and disciplining David. Verses 1-3 through three. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have kept me alive, that I would not go down to the pit. David begins by vowing to praise God, because he had been lifted up by the Lord. He had been rescued from the enemy's sword and from shame. David's prayers were answered. God healed him, possibly of some disease or illness, brought him up from the grave, Sheol and the pit, here are seen as the, the grave of their synonyms, and kept him alive. Verses 4 and 5. Sing praise to the Lord, you his godly ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. The psalmist calls on all people to praise God's name. He calls on them to give thanks for all the blessings he has poured out. One awesome blessing is his discipline. God disciplines his children. This is with the purpose of making us holy and sometimes to punish our sins. Its purpose is wonderful, but that is not all. It is also short. His anger lasts for a moment in discipline. It is not for a lifetime. If his discipline lasted a long time, who could last? David gives the imagery of weeping lasting one night, but the next morning there is joy and deliverance from discipline. His favor lasts a lifetime. When we are his children, his favor is always with us. Even in discipline, God does it for our good. Verses 6 and 7. Now as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. O Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. When he was prosperous, David believed he did not need anyone or anything. It is incredible. When we are in times that we are most blessed by God, this is when we forget him. Often, we live independently of him, as if we had gained all those blessings and could somehow maintain them ourselves. The strength of his prosperity was God, and since David was living in pride, God disciplined him by leaving him for a time. This means God not only removed his presence, but also his blessings. With this, the psalmist became anxious for God. The word dismayed is a strong word, meaning confusion and helplessness of terror. When we are at our lows, those that believe in God usually jump to depending on Him, possibly because we have no choice, but also because we remember God is the supplier of our blessings. 
verses 8 through 10. To you, O Lord, I called, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. Realizing God had left him, the psalmist returned to the Lord, calling out to him. This was possibly during the plague God on God brought on Israel because of David's pride in counting the people. 2 Samuel 24:15. He called God, asking if there was any benefit in his death and destruction. The psalmist was reasoning with God that if he wanted praise, he could give it much better than the dust or the ground of the earth that would bury him. So, David cries out to God for help. David's concern is for God's name and glory. Verse 11 and 12. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness, that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This portion of the psalm is so beautiful. God does this to all sinners that come to him for salvation or help. He turns mourning and sackcloth into dancing and gladness. Sackcloth was a way for people to demonstrate. It was specific clothing to demonstrate a sense of mourning. There is a complete turnaround in the attitude towards life. There was sadness for sin and its consequences, but now there was gladness for God's greatness and forgiveness and grace. With this forgiveness, how can one be silent? If we understand the depths that God saved us from, how can we not praise His name and give thanks at all times of our life? Are you praising God with your life?